Hey there, and welcome to the Agency Rockstars podcast. I'm Dana Lindahl, and I'm the founder of LegendaryLeadGen.com, where we help B2B companies become authorities in their industry, set more sales appointments, and convert those appointments into more sales. We also help other agencies sell our patented process on to their own clients. And we truly believe in the value of building and creating relationships, and in that being the main driver of new sales for agencies. So... Stick around to the end of the show. We're going to be revealing how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing agency podcasts on the planet. All right, let's get straight into it. All right, rock stars, welcome back to the show. Welcome to the stage and welcome to the uh, to the conversation. I am excited to get back into Agency Rockstars. My name is Dan, and I'm joined today by another rock star. Uh, his name is Brian Honorio, and he is the founder of an agency called Walk West, and then also a little something else that we'll get into, uh, which is a, a spinoff from that. So I'm excited. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. And, and, I'm, and I'm really interested to find out what the spinoff from a, an agency looks like and why it came about all this other stuff. Cause I, I find that this growing and scaling an agency can mean so many different things. So spinning off a product is really interesting. So, but let's start at the beginning, not at the end, right? Uh, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into running an agency? First of all, uh, it's a great question, Dan. And uh, really how it all came about is I started an agency without knowing I started an agency. Uh, so I'll give you the, the background there. As I was a couple of years out of school, I got a computer science degree from North Carolina State. And uh, I saw my career kind of pigeonholing itself in a certain direction, which was kind of healthcare IT. Uh, and I was not really thrilled with that direction at all. Didn't like it. This is right around 2007 or so. And um, I, I come from a pretty risk averse background. So growing up, I was born in a very rural part of North Carolina, very poor, uh, you know, grew up, lived in a trailer and uh, money was always something that was fleeting. Uh, so for me to quit a job, I had to have a, a suitable safety net because there wasn't an uncle or a dad that I could give a call and say, hey, I need a bailout. Uh, so I saved up about 20 grand, which is more money than I, than I thought was possible, you know, at that time of my life. Saved up 20 grand, walked to my boss's office. This was, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was August 1st, 2008. And I said, I quit. I'm done. I'm going to go and, uh, and give a shot at developing websites. And he, he kind of laughed. He said, good luck, man. I said, excellent. Uh, for those of us who are around around August 2008, we know what happens a, a month later. Uh, the entire economy comes crushing down. You know, and, uh, we talk about bailouts. I certainly didn't get a bailout from an uncle or a dad, nor the federal government or state government. And I remember I was newly wed at the time. I looked at my wife. I said, I've jumped. It's sink or swim. And, uh, you know, that, that fight or flight mechanism kind of kicks in. And, uh, you know, there were days in, in those early days of having this, what was a web design shop at that point in time, where I thought, you know, this is it. I dusted off the resume and, and said, I'm going to go send this, this resume into a couple of different places. Fortunately, I never got to the point of sending the resume. I certainly had it edited and ready to go. And then that next sales hit would hit. And then, then the next one would hit. And right as the economy recovered, this is 2011 or so, I decided to hire a couple of employees uh, uh, just to, to really give a shot at, at running a business. Uh, and I'll tell you, it took me about seven years, but I learned the kind of trick to scale. And uh, 2015, we tripled revenue. 2016, we doubled revenue. 2017, we doubled it again. So we went from uh, basically a small company to a company of 30 people, ended up getting to about 50 people at one point in time. And, and I look back and it was, it was like a... a 
is like a flash. I mean, it, it, it happens so, so quickly. And when you grow and scale that quickly, inevitably you break every piece of infrastructure you have from your lease <laughs> and the space that you're sitting in to any sort of operational procedures. They just break from week to week because we were just in hyper, hyper growth mode. So we'll, we'll talk about the the how to scale here in a minute because I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, but let's let's skip to the end for a minute here. So at some point in the last couple of years, you have spun off uh, this what you called uh, in our in our pre conversation uh, kind of this, this this product right the SaaS product um, proposa. So first of all, what is that? How does it relate to the to the agency? And where did that come from? Like how did that spin off? Yeah, this is probably a very familiar story. It was a is a piece of software that we built in, inside the agency for us. And uh, what, this was uh, 2014 or so. I got tired of, of losing bids, and uh, you know we were just dusting off a a, a a PDF file or a Word file and sending them as proposals. I said, you know what, we're digital focused at that point in time. We were really a, a robust digital agency. I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Uh, tried a couple of platforms out there. I said, you know, screw it. Let's let's go and build our own. Uh, bought some pizza, some beer, sat down at a boardroom table over a weekend, and we hatched out what became the prototype for this product, which is super exciting. Uh, because what happened, I told you that in 2015, we tripled revenue. A lot of that is because we were pitching differently. Uh, you know, we owned the entire process. We were really showcasing what we could do through the proposal. Uh, it was one of those kind of proof is in the pudding mechanisms. And we were winning at that point in time, seven out of every 10 bids we were touching. Like any good CEO, you think, wow, you got a seven out of 10 win rate. Your prices are too high. We jacked the prices up and we'd still win, you know, at an astronomical rate. And, um, you know, it, it, it took several conversations over many years. Uh, we had customers say, hey, what that what is that thing that you sent us? That proposal is amazing. Can we use it too? And I was like, no, it's a back office tool. I don't have time to, you know, shake that into a software as a service product. And uh, finally, I said, you know what? This is, this is dumb. There's market demand out there for what we did. We just got to put it out there and see what happens. So proposal was born. And um, at that point in time, it was, let's see, 2019 or so, I had built a great management team at the agency. I said, hey, you guys run this. I want to give my shot at running that. Uh, and that's kind of where we are today. And then, of course, there again, your timing is impeccable, Brian. 2019, you did that. Uh, fast forward to 2020 and the world stops. I mean, not really, but like the world stops. Like you, man. Uh, and yeah, it continues to grow, right? I mean, you're still growing this. People are still using it because you're digital focused. Um, that's amazing. How, how do you go from that quitting your job with 20 grand in the bank account through that first hiccup? through other ones, I'm sure throughout the, the, the business's life, how do you grow and scale that company from zero to 50 employees? I'll tell you that the biggest trick, and I do a little bit of agency consulting for some founders, the, the biggest trick, and I'll tell everybody in the book, it's not a secret really, uh, the, the unlocking the key to success was replacing what I did in the business. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, if I could do it, I was going to do it. I would work 70 or 80 hours. You know, what's that mantra? You know, an entrepreneur is a is a guy that would rather work eighty hours uh, a week by for himself than forty hours a week for someone else. Right. Uh, that really, really is true. And I found myself burning out. So it was you know seven years into it or so where I said, you know, I there was a piece of me that really loved developing. I loved the software aspect of it. It's what I was trained in. It's what I did, and it, it brought me a lot of comfort. I enjoyed doing it. But at a certain point in time. I said, if we're going to grow and scale more than what we are, then I've got to get myself out from behind the keyboard. So essentially, I, I put together a business plan that said, fire myself. What does this look like where I am not doing that job? Mm 
And I went and backfilled, you know, it was a leap of faith, you know, hiring some quality people. Now, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I got a little bit of an ego. I thought that nobody could develop websites as good as I can. You know, nobody can do it as good as I can. Uh, Those first couple of hires, they were like 80% and they soon grew to 120% of where I was. Uh, And the reason for that was my capability and my ability because I was so invested to be able to sell. We were selling bigger gigs because I was no longer encumbered behind the screen. I was able to get out more, talk more, you know, create more relationships. And I tell you, that first day that we signed our first five-digit gig was amazing. Uh, and then that six-digit gig came, and then that seven-digit gig came, and you know, and the world changes, you know, when you go from that from that five-digit to the seven-digit. The demands are higher, you know, the it, it taxes your people more. That there's a lot of lessons learned in that type of growth. And you know, to be quite frank, man, it's uh, we kind of faked it till we could make it. Uh, we were selling things that we didn't know how to do, but we with a PO we could go and figure it out. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Some things we didn't know how to do. That's, that's an, that's an entrepreneur for being risk adverse to begin with, man, you really put it all on the line. Uh, so Brian, let's, let's have a little story time. Then let's, I want to hear a win. What does it look like, um, for your agency? What's a favorite story that highlights how you serve your clients and get those wins for them? You know, I think one of my favorite stories to tell, and it was really kind of our marquee account, is we did some work for um, a Velcro brands, you know, the, the, the stuff that you put on kids' shoes. Uh, and to, to give you a little background on, on what that was, the, the issue and why they hired us is we were hired by the legal team at Velcro companies. Uh, and I thought, wow, you know, legal, that's going to be a ton of fun. You know, it's not the marketing team, it's a legal team. But the problem they were facing is actually kind of complex. You know, they were facing what you call in the legal realm, genericide. Everyone refers to every type of fastener, which is generically called a hook and loop fastener as Velcro. Mm -hmm. And we knew, and and they knew at at a certain point in time, uh, their competitors like 3M would take them to court and say, you know what, Velcro is is, is fair game. Uh, A lot of people don't know that Velcro is a brand name of a company. It is not a thing. Uh, And so we were hired to do basically a public education campaign. Uh, and because uh, that's one of the things that you have to do to defend an IP infringement lawsuit is you have to show that you made a good faith effort to to educate the public. And we thought, wait a minute, we have to educate the public to use the term hook and loop fastener and not Velcro. I, I was like, what in the world are we going to do here? Well, mm-hmm. we got some fantastic people for those on the Internet that, that may know of a man uh, and a family by the name of Penn and Kim Holderness. They, they run a family blog, uh, YouTube folks. They're a part of our agency. Uh, and uh, uh, Penn and Kim are just creative geniuses. And we got together and uh, we created a little song that we were going to put into a video. And we flew a crew up to Boston uh, as a part of the pitch. And really our pitch was, Here, here's a computer, we're going to hit play. And we had that song written. And it was really, really funny. The, the theme there was we had these lawyers singing uh, in like an 80s rock star way about how their bottom line was going to get killed if you didn't stop using the term Velcro. Well, overnight it went viral. I mean, we're talking millions of hits. We got 1.2 billion uh, media impressions. Anderson Cooper talked about it for two and a half minutes on his show because it was well-produced. It was well done. It was super, super creative. And I had like maybe a half a percent to do with it, which made me proud because it, it wasn't my brainchild. I'd be the first to admit I had literally nothing to do with that account besides, you know, getting the right people together to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really funny that you mentioned the Holderness family because yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I've seen their, their other stuff and the fact that they're part of what you like, that's anyway, 
a fanboy. I'll just put it this way. You know, they, they are, um, they're wonderful people. That's a side, you know, that they're, they're fantastic, wonderful people. Uh, and Penn and Kim, they just have a knack for, for, for putting together things that go absolutely viral. They built a solid brand for their family. Uh, super happy to be, to be, you know, just tangentially related to them in business, uh, because whenever we need to go and heavy hit something that is super creative, we know exactly who to call <laughs> No doubt. Um, and it's, and it's funny, like, I don't know that this is necessarily the case. They, I thought I read somewhere where they came out of like the news business, which is really cool. Like I, you know, anyway, it's just, it's amazing to see people's stories. So that's cool. Yeah. That Velcro brand. I mean, that's, that happens to other companies, you know, you could call it uh Kleenex or facial tissue. Like I never would have thought that that would lead you into a company into their marketing through the legal department. That's really cool. Oh yeah, we were having conversations with John Mayer as this thing went uh, went absolutely viral. We were on Twitter one night having dinner with a client and uh, the, the social media account person on the Velcro side was like, oh my God, John Mayer, he's, he's talking to us. He was like, wait a minute, people. You want me to say hook and loop fastener shoe, and it, it's it's so insane because we know that no one's going to do that. No, no one's going to do it. But the fact that we got millions and millions of impressions and millions of views is going to be used in a defense at some point in time. And the, the most rewarding part for me was that we saw uh, law students. Uh, tweeting saying that our professor threw away the case study on genericide on Xerox and has replaced it with Velcro's uh, case. And that right there said we did everything we were supposed to do is that we are we're helping to evolve what it means to creatively market very, very archaic and sometimes difficult to understand concepts. Yeah. Fascinating. So in addition to that gigantic brand and having John Mayer interact with you, um, what kind of clients have you worked with over the years um, at your agency? Like, like who's perfect for Walk West? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, when I say we cover the, uh, the gamut, we, we work with some, some notable pharmaceutical companies on the big end. But uh, over the course of 2020, you know, I'll give you one more short story here is that we had a, a local retailer come to us, right? This, we, we, were, we were engaged to build a new website for them right before the pandemic hit. Uh, the new website was not going to be e-commerce. It was going to be more to drive foot traffic. The pandemic hits, and that, of course, changes everything around March of 2020. Uh, and we got together and said, you know, for, for small retail to, to survive, we've got to come up with a cohesive e-commerce plan. Uh, and we had some very forward-thinking people. There's about nine retailers that the firm is called Great Outdoor Provision Company. So think REI on small scale. They have nine locations in, in North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, and being able to work with them and seeing their people go to work every day, this is in April. You know, when we really didn't know how dangerous the virus was and, and uh, they were shut down for a long time. And right when they started first opening back up, uh, there are people on the front lines, you know, serving the community and out there still raising money for charity. You know, of all things, we got a retailer here where life in 2020 for any retailer was not great. You know, our job was to give them the tools to be able to succeed, not just in 2020, but beyond. Uh, and that was really rewarding for me, the relationships that we made, the impact that we had on the business. But again, you know, uh, I, I tend to be um, sometimes on the more humble end is that it wasn't us. You know, it was really the people that came to work every day that did the job that people, quite frankly, were a little scared to do. Yet they showed up and uh, and they were a part of the community because these stores are anchors of communities in these locations. Uh, and that was super, super rewarding for me. So, you know, we, we do cover a wide gamut in terms of, of customers and clients that we work with. Uh, and sometimes it's those, those smaller gigs that, uh, that bring a lot of reward and, and insight just from a, from a human perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so what, like, what are the pain points that those clients are looking at, 
you know, in 2021 and beyond, what pain points are you solving at WalkWest for the most part in this modern business world? Yeah, I think there's a couple of pain points that are really, really socially relevant right now, you know, in terms of what does the new normal look like? Uh, what is that digital strategy? You know, for us, we, had, we also created a spinoff brand uh, called the Diversity Movement. Uh, and a lot of that is around coaching, counseling, and teaching around diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, uh, um, courses and educational curriculums. And a lot of that is um, is driven from a place where we're, what do we want to be known as? Do we want to be known as, as as a great agency? Sure. Uh, what else do we want to be known as, you know, from a humanitarian perspective, from the things that we do? Now, of course, we're not a nonprofit, you know, and uh, we won't pretend to be nonprofits. We're doing this at the end of the day to cut a check, you know, and to make money. Any agency out there uh, is, is in business to make money. Uh, but for us, it's uh, we're taking a couple of other swings at that, if you will, uh, just some things that we're seeing. And um, the story around the diversity movement really started back in September of 2019. We started creating this curriculum because we saw some 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 bubbling things. Now, of course, we had no idea what would happen in May of 2020 with George Floyd and everything else that went on. Uh, and that absolutely exploded the conversation. And, uh, you know, we were there at the time uh, to be able to say, you know, we have a service here that uh, that we're doing these things. We're doing it because uh, we believe in them. They can say in relation to the, the social uh, issues that were happening in May of 2020 that are still persisting to today. So it sounds like you, you, Brian, in particular, but also your team, you're always looking forward, trying to uh, make a difference, trying to evolve yourselves, and and you just end up at the right time at the right place, not by accident, but certainly serendipity in some way. Um, is that the kind of folks that you look forward to to work with them? Yeah, it is. We have a remarkably a remarkably diverse team as well, and that's something that you don't always see a lot of in the agency space. Uh, and that had been a conscious thing for us, uh, you know, really dating back three or four years. Is we said, you know what, th- th- this is going to be something that we believe in that we're going to do. We need diversity of people. And that just doesn't mean gender or skin color. That means how people think, where people come from, you know, uh, you know, from, from rural Appalachia to, you know, city folks, you know, there's, uh, there's a constant theme that we have to be able to think like our customers. We have to we have to be able to think like their customers in order to do well for them. Uh, so we very very consciously did these things over the years, and uh, you know, for us it was uh, th- there was a lot of right place at the right time, but we did it the right way as well. Yeah, I, I, the right place, the right time, doing it the right way. That's good, Ram. So, all right, I've got one one big question at the end here, but I want to make sure that everybody who is enjoying our conversation can can connect with you uh, over either the brands, whether it's Proposa or WalkWest. Um, where do you send folks to connect with you, Brian? Uh, you know, walkwest.com, you know, certainly you can find our contact information there. You can email us LinkedIn, of course. My last name is relatively unique. You can have no problem finding that one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and uh, proposa.io certainly is, is another place where you can go and connect with us. Excellent. Uh, yeah, finding Brian Honorio on LinkedIn is not that hard. So go find Brian there and say hi. Uh, so Brian, is there? Uh, so you've already thought like outside of the box. You think ahead. You evolve. This is this should be easy for you. Um, is there anything that you've learned or any advice over the years that you've heard that seems counterintuitive, but once you implement it, has a huge impact on your business? It's a really really good question, and I think that um, there may be some folks that are risk averse like I am, and uh, it was really strange for me to think that um, that I had to fire myself in order to, to maximize what I was going to do. Uh, there's a lot of counterintuitive things that I that because I had some great advisors that became partners of mine uh, over the years as well that that really forced me to think outside the box. I think the biggest thing for me is that I knew my risk aversion. I found a partner, uh, and I remember you know when we got together, as he says, "Man, if you're not going to bet." everything on your money. Let's use half a mind too. Let's go in this together. Let's do it. And so I found a partner that was super, super forward thinking and aggressive. 
that kind of pulled me toward the middle and I pulled him towards the middle. So it's a really, really good balance. Uh, you know, he's actually the, uh, the person responsible for uh, running Walk by State of Days and Donald Thompson, fantastic guy. Uh, he's the brainchild behind uh, the diversity movement. A lot of things that we're doing as well. It's uh, when I say I give credence to the team, I, I really can't shout them loud enough because uh, it was certainly a part of me. And I'm super, super proud of the 15 year or so career that I've had doing this. Uh, but if you surround yourself with the right people, uh, good things can happen. And I think that one of the last things I'll tell you that's counterintuitive is that um, you know early on, I would think of employees uh, in terms of how much they cost. And it really took me a while to, to, to reframe that thinking and reframe it into what is the value they bring. So once you start looking at that equation from the right end, it's not that a $60,000 a year employee is, oh man, they're going to cost $5,000 a month. No, oh yeah, they are. Uh, but it's not what they cost, it's the value that they bring. And uh, for any good leader, any good entrepreneur or CEO, how do you bring your people and make them greater than where they are right now? Uh, that's where the benefit comes in for everybody, you know, from career growth, of course, the top line and bottom line revenue, all those things come together in a, in a really, really good pairing. Yeah. So no wonder you are a 40 under 40 recipient, Brian. Great <laughs> advice. Great stuff, man. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Agency Rockstars. Uh, listeners, go to walkwest.com. Look for Brian Honorio on LinkedIn. Brian, thanks again, man. Hey, Dan, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agency Rockstars podcast. If you're an agency owner who would like to appear in this podcast, please visit legendaryleadgen.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you found this episode valuable, I would really appreciate you sharing it on social media. Even just a quick screenshot of the episode showing on your phone shared to social media would be great. If you truly enjoyed the episode, we'd also really love a rating in your favorite podcast player. Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dana Lindahl, and if you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also find more information about everything we're currently doing at legendaryleadgen.com. Thanks for listening, and hope to hear from you soon.